about to hear is so amazing that it's almost too good to be true. But it is true. In fact, the miracle of the resurrection is one of the most well-documented facts in history. Doubters have never been able to explain how else Jesus' body could have disappeared from the tomb. That's because it's kind of hard to explain away the earthquake and the angel who announced that Jesus was not there but had risen. It's just like a mystery story come to life. Good choice of words since that's exactly what Jesus did. Have you seen him with your very own eyes? No, but Jesus did appear to more than 300 people after he rose from the dead. Wow, that's a lot of eyewitnesses. Sounds amazing. It is amazing that Jesus came back from the dead, but it really did happen. All the stories in the Bible about Jesus are true. Well, tell me more of them.
just love singing praises to Jesus. We'll do some more singing in a few minutes. Now let's get back to our continuing Bible story from the Bible in Living Sound. After the fall of Jericho, the Israelites began to prepare for the conquest of the rest of Canaan. The next town in their path was the city of Ai. Troops have had a good rest, and seem in good spirits, Joram, as well they might be. Tomorrow morning, take 3,000 of our best troops and march against Ai. The rest of us will await your return. But when the men came back from their campaign against Ai, they did not have the look of conquerors. Joram, what happened? Why do you all look so grim? Surely... I failed you completely, Joshua. I still don't see how the forces of Ai were so strong. They defeated us, Joshua, and we lost 36 men. Well, it's, it's not your fault. I sent you out with insufficient forces. And Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until eventide, he and the elders of Israel, and put dust upon their heads. Wherefore hast thou brought this people over Jordan to destroy us? Would that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? Get thee up, Joshua. Wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? The defeat today came because Israel has sinned. They transgressed the Lord's covenant and have also stolen and dissembled. Now get you up, sanctify the people, and tell them there is one accursed man among them. They will not be able to stand up to their enemies until this man is taken away from among them. So Joshua rose up early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes to the tabernacle. And among many who watched was one man, Achan, who had a very personal reason for being interested. But Achan, how is Joshua going to decide which tribe the guilty man belongs to? By drawing lots, so I understand. Oh, oh I see. The Lord will undoubtedly make the lots fall in the right places. Uh, I don't see what Joshua is hoping to prove. Uh, it can't possibly work. <laughs> Good old Aiken, always grumbling. Yeah, see you later, Aiken. Oh, I'm glad he's gone. I don't want to be near anyone who knows me too well. well. There's nothing to be scared of, really. I've buried the stuff safely under my tent. And out of a million people, how could they find one? The tribe of Judah. That's my tribe. Oh, I don't like that. It's getting too close. Still, now there are thousands of families in Judah. They'll never pick mine. And now he's drawing for families. The family of Zabdi. Oh, no. Oh, no. No. Will Zabdi please come forward? Yeah, family of Zabdi. 
Well, I'm sure he hasn't done anything wrong, a good old man like that. Now, now Joshua's drawing lots among Zabdi's children and grandchildren. Aiken's name has been drawn. Will Aiken please come forward? What will I do? What shall I do? I can't run away and hide. There's too many people. I am here, Joshua. I am coming. Aiken, my son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession unto him. And tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me, for the drawing of the lots points a finger of guilt at you. Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. When I saw among the spoils of Jericho a goodly garment and two hundred shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of fifty shekels weight, I coveted them and took them. And behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. And they took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver, and the garment, and the wedge of gold, and his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them into the valley of Achor. And all Israel stoned him with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones, which are there unto this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger, Wherefore, the name of that place was called Achor, which means trouble, and which it is called unto this day. We'll continue the Bible story tomorrow, and if you would like to have these stories to listen to at home, you can call the Bible in Living Sound at 1-800-634-0234. That's 1-800-634-0234. Now here's some more music before we have to say goodbye. to go on turning and why do the stars choose to shine who tells the moon when to change its face and what moves the sun in a line as he looked at the world of his father's hand so much he wanted to understand his countless questions his curious joy when Jesus was a
face it seems But no, there are questions that have no answers Except for the answers you dream Hey Dora, wait up! What do you want, Carlos? I'm in a hurry I just wanted to know that I did what you told me to do That's unusual I started praying to God Well, who else would you pray to? Wait, you don't understand He's not listening. Kind of like you right now. Okay, I'm sorry. Talking to God is important, and I should listen to you, even if I am in a hurry. Why isn't God listening to you? I don't know. I told him what I needed, and nothing happened. Like yesterday, I prayed that I'd get a good grade on my history test. I got a C-. minus. Did you study? Well, yeah, a little. Well, not much. Okay, no. And you thought God would just pop the answers into your head because why? Because I asked. I asked nicely. Carlos, God isn't Santa Claus. He doesn't come down the chimney and leave good grades lying around. Dora, Santa Claus isn't real. You know that, don't you? Yes, I know that. I'm saying that God doesn't just give you stuff. It's like my dad tells me. When you ask God for something, he doesn't say yes or no. He usually says, here's how. After you ask for a good grade... Was there a little voice in your head saying, you might want to study your history lessons? Hey, yeah, I heard that voice. Didn't listen. Well, there you go. Next time you pray, sit and listen for a while. God's probably trying to tell you what you need to do. Now, if you'll excuse me. Thanks, Dora. You're a good friend, even if you got an A on that test. I listened. Jesus wants to be our friend. He's interested in everything we do and longs to be included in our lives. He has placed in our hearts a desire to share our deepest secrets and brightest hopes with Him. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists.
mystery. As usual, Paul was the last one to come to the breakfast table, but that didn't keep him from finishing eating first. As he gathered his books from the hall, he heard mother say, poor dear, she will have to stay inside all week. That's too bad, dad replied. Maybe you'd better look in on her today and see if you can help with anything. I will, dear, mother promised. Paul came back through the kitchen on his way out. What's wrong, mom? He asked. It's Mrs. Parker next door. She fell yesterday and sprained her ankle. The doctor taped it up and told her not to walk on it for a few days. That's too bad, Paul declared, using his dad's words. Their neighbor lived alone, and he knew it would be difficult for her. He started for the door. I know she's going to miss her flowers most of all. She works in her garden every day, his sister Linda began. Hey, Paul, wait for me, she called as he opened the back door. Paul was in a hurry. He was supposed to meet the fellows at the corner, and he was already late. He ran across the street and cut across Mrs. Parker's yard. He tripped on something and almost fell. It was the morning paper. Why didn't that paper boy throw it up on her porch, he murmured as he regained his balance. He shrugged. The paper boy probably didn't know that Mrs. Parker had sprained her ankle. Paul picked up the paper and hurried up the walk to lay it on the porch. Halfway across the yard, he stopped. Why, Mrs. Parker's place was one whole flower garden. He had never paid much attention to the flowers before. He walked over to a rose bush. 
There was one big bud opening. The red was so deep that it was almost black. There were drops of dew still clinging to the flower. Paul tapped the long stem and the dew drops slid down and hid inside the bud. Paul was amazed at how smoothly one petal lapped over another. Suddenly, he leaned forward and poked his nose down on the rose. He took a deep breath. It was the most pleasant smell he had ever smelled. But just as quickly, he whirled around and shot a glance over his shoulder. What if the fellow saw him smelling flowers? Flowers were for girls. He didn't care about the others, but he could just hear Larry calling him a sissy. Paul was just as big and strong and tough as Larry, but he knew his friend wouldn't dare be caught messing around flowers. Shifting his books to the other arm, he left the yard. At the sidewalk, he hesitated and looked back toward the house. Remembering Paul said, She sure was nice to me when I was sick, baking that lemon pie on my birthday and coming to see me every day. He looked down the street. No one was in sight. Dropping his books, he ran back to the bush. Quickly, he broke a rose with the longest stem. Rolling the newspaper into a long tube, he stuck the stem inside and tiptoed up on the porch. He wedged the paper on the handle of the front door and in one long leap jumped off the porch and ran to the corner. When the others came, he was just standing there whistling as though nothing had happened. That night, Mother said, You'll never guess what happened. Someone put Mrs. Parker's paper right up by the front door this morning so that she wouldn't have to hobble outside to get it. Hmm, said Mr. Wilson, slicing the roast. That was nice. Wonder who it was. She doesn't know, but whoever it was knew how much she likes flowers, for there was a beautiful red rose inside. Paul swallowed and started to speak, but Linda said, We've got a mystery right here on our street. I think it's so exciting. Then Paul decided not to say anything. He ducked his head to hide the smile on his face. It was going to be fun for him to have his own little secret. Besides, if his sister knew, she would probably blab it around, and then the fellows would know for sure. For the next two mornings, he slipped off to school before Linda was ready. Each morning, he cut the prettiest rose he could find and left it with the paper. The boy was enjoying his secret, but he had to admit the part he enjoyed most was doing something nice for Mrs. Parker. That is, as long as the gang didn't find out, each time he was afraid he would be late and they would see him right in the middle of the rose garden. Everything was fine until Thursday. Then, just as he reached for the rose, a voice said, Paul! Paul Wilson! So it's you. The startled boy dropped the rose. He jumped as though he had been caught playing with his dad's tools again. Oh, why did you have to come along? He asked sharply as he saw Linda. Don't you dare tell anyone. But why did you have to keep it a secret? Linda asked. I think it is the sweetest thing I ever heard. Yeah, sweet. That's just what the fellows would say. Why, Paul Wilson, are you ashamed of what you're doing? Demanded Linda. No, of course not. It's just that everyone thinks I'm plenty strong and if... So that's it, interrupted his sister. You're doing something nice for someone, but yet you are afraid of what someone else will think. Sis, you don't understand. But Linda was gone. She had turned and hurried back to their house. Paul felt terrible. He could tell that his sister was disappointed in him. The forgotten rose lay on the ground. He picked it up. Very carefully, he brushed the dirt off the petals. In all the confusion with Linda, more time had passed than he realized. The sound of voices startled him. The boys were halfway down the block coming to meet him. His first thought was to run. It had taken a long time for them to invite him into the crowd. Now, if they saw him taking Mrs. Parker or Rose, they might not want him anymore. And even if they did, he knew for sure they would never stop teasing him. He had to decide what to do and fast, for they would see him any minute. 
He glanced at Mrs. Parker's front door. Oh, she'll never miss it today, he told himself and took a step away. As he brushed against the rose bush, he stopped. If I could just hide behind the bush, maybe they wouldn't see me. And then when they go by, I could... Linda came out the front door of their house and interrupted his thoughts. Sis is right, he said aloud. I am more concerned about what people will think than I am about doing the right thing. From that minute on, Paul knew what he was going to do. Sticking two fingers in his mouth, he gave a loud, shrill whistle. From the corner of his eye, he could see the boys stop and stare, but he didn't care. Instead, he yelled across the street, Hey, Linda, wait till I take this rose to Mrs. Parker and I will walk to school with you. Linda stopped still in her tracks, for she had already seen the boys. She smiled happily and waved. Okay, she called back. The boys started laughing and pointing at Paul, but Paul didn't pay any attention. Instead, he just ran up the steps and delivered a red rose and the morning paper. The story you've heard today was first published as part of the Vacation Bible School program in the book God's World by the Review and Herald Publishing Association and the General Conference Sabbath School Department. If you are interested in any other products published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. journey was brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Lifetalk Radio at lifetalk.net.